Welcome back, everybody. Lights Out Podcast, another one of our favorite things, deep dives. Now, this is going to be a real fun one for you guys. You know, we like to go in deep and um, get some history, get some culture to you uh, unheathenous swines. We want to educate you guys. And right now, we actually got a guy who started fighting before me, which is hard to do. Um, Nick Nutter started in 1997. Some of you people weren't even born. Probably. I don't know who's watching, but... uh, Nick, how you doing, bub? Not too bad. How about you? Oh, man, just living the dream. So uh, we have a, a a lot to cover with you. Like I said, you fought nothing but unbelievable tough guys at, at the beginning of this sport. Yes. Unfortunately, that's the case. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, right, so, uh, um, just, to, just to put it in context, Nick fought in November of 1997, then followed it up with, a uh, ninety, a fight in early '98. Both of them, uh, and and uh, snuck one a single fight in Brazil, but those two other ones were eight man tournaments. Uh, fighting for legendary promoter Frederico Lapenda yep. in in Israel in Brazil. So it's like there's a lot to talk about. He's a representative of the Hammer House, so we got a whole bunch of stuff there, <laughs> and an all American wrestler. So he was one of those first wave of of wrestlers that really impacted the sport. Mike, take it away, bro. Okay. So, so Nick, we got a lot going on with you, even though it's like a real short career, Chris, I and Miguel, we love to concentrate on the guys with like 50 fights because we just kind of like go through history, but looking at your record, um, it's kind of, you're almost kind of like a forgotten footnote because like you said, your first fight was in 97, but when you look at your record, it's incredibly impressive. But before that, Let's start. Let's talk about how you met Mark Coleman and became a part of Hammer House. All right. Uh, so out of uh, high school wrestling, I was um, sort of a phenom. I was a little skinny. Um, you know, I had skinny arms, skinny legs. Coleman laughed at that. But I was the first um, wrestler to ever win the uh, Triple Crown, uh, which is Junior wow. Nationals, Greco-Roman, Freestyle, and then the High School Nationals in the same year. So, wow. so that was wow. sort of cool. I, I got out of that, but then I went to Ohio State, and uh, the people in front of me were Kevin Randleman, Rex Holman, <laughs> and uh, obviously Mark Coleman. And he knew that the one thing I needed was strength. So, um, you know, he's, what, what, one funny thing is he did like wrestling me, <clears throat> And the, what he said is the one thing he liked about it was that I smelled good. Um, he said not a lot of the heavyweights smelled good. So he didn't mind wrestling with me every day because I did use deodorant and, and groomed myself. So that was a, a positive for me. So anyways, I get there. Right. And, <laughs> and, as opposed to like maybe catching crabs from like a Kevin Randleman. Okay, so no, go ahead. I apologize. I can hear Coleman saying that too. You smell good. <laughs> no, he's like, no, I, I, the only reason why I really grabbed you is because you didn't stink. And uh, that was a compliment. So <clears throat> anyways, I was obviously, you know, behind some tough guys. Um, strength was the issue. So Coleman sort of took me under his wing and got me in the, the the weight program and got me lifting and got started getting me strong. Um, it ended up, he was obviously, he's 10 years older than me. I'm 46. I believe he's 56, but he was living on campus with his girlfriend. They ended up getting in a, a fight 
And he basically said, Nutter, I'm moving in with you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I really didn't have a choice. So I told my roommates, like, hey, my coach is moving in. And they were they were not happy about it. They're like, he's not going to pay, but uh, you know, pay rent. And he, he really didn't. But what he did was he was sort of like our dad. Um, there's times like we were going to go out and he's like, okay, go up in my dresser open the second drawer, go in this, uh, you know, the white sock, you get $40. And he took care of us sort of like a dad figure, right. big brother. <laughs> so he paid his rent in, in one way or the other. Um, so uh, I guess the question is, how did I get involved with Coleman? When he moved in with me, that's, that's sort of when, you know, our relationship really took off. He knew, uh, you know, my biggest weakness was my weakness. And, you know, if, if, if you know anything about Coleman or the Hammer House, there the fighters are pretty strong. So he took me under his wing, and uh, you know that that's how that evolved. Now I don't know if you want me to go right into how I got into fighting with him, or um, I'll, I'll pause at that moment. But the whole fighting thing, uh, what, why, and even how I got into it is a crazy story in itself. Let's have it. Yeah, keep going, dude. We're good. We got a million questions. If you got some <laughs> good stuff, just bring it. Throw it out. So, okay, you, uh, Miguel, you said my first fight was 1997. So this is probably towards the end of 1996. I was with my my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. Um, and at this point, Coleman's already won UFC 10. He's just running through people. And Coleman's like, Nutter, you should fight. I'm like, you're crazy. Like, I'm the guy at the party that um, is doing the keg stand and, you know, I'm, I'm Frank the Tank. I, I've never really <laughs> been in a fist fight in my life. I'm, I'm the fun guy. And uh, Coleman's like, Nutter, UFC is easy. Like wrestling you and Randleman and, and training is 10 times harder than anybody I fought. <laughs> and I went home and I, I told my wife this, um, who was my girlfriend. I said, Amy, you know, Coleman thinks I should fight. And she's like, oh, my God, you get your ass kicked. Like, you're not a fighter. Uh, you're like, you're like a pussy. I'm like, you know what? That pissed me off. So um, I had this big flip phone and I opened it up and I called Coleman. I'm like, I had a couple beers in me and maybe some chicken wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. And my wife is sitting next to me and Coleman unfortunately answers. And I, get <laughs> I say, Coleman, it's not her. He's like, what's up? I'm like, you know how you said you want me to fight? He's like, yeah. I'm like, let's do this. He's like, you, you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. And I'm really just trying to like piss off my wife slash girlfriend. And he's like, okay. So I yeah, you ain't getting out of that. You're not getting um, out of that. No, I couldn't get out of it. No, so I hung up my phone and, uh, you know, commenced to eating the rest of my wings and, and <laughs> here. Uh, Coleman calls me the next morning. Daughter, uh, I got you a fight and I'm a little hungover and I'm not happy about it. He's like, Hey, you know, in two months, you're going to Tel Aviv, Israel to fight. I'm like, oh, boy. Um, wow. So, oh, I had never been in a street fight in my life or anything. Okay, so I really want to do was fight. So, yeah. so you're not, we, we, that's kind of like a common question, like with some of the guys such as yourself, you know, did you get in a lot of street fights? What was your demeanor? And it's surprising that, like, most of the guys go, no, no, I've never really been in a fight before. And I think this will come, Chris, I, I think we've talked about this before. Mark Coleman has a weird ability 
to like make people do things that they normally would never ever do and he would just be shocked if you didn't do it well, and this sounds kinda, like one of those situations it's kind of like when he just walks in and said i'm moving in with you it wasn't a question you know they said hey you're gonna fight it's kind of like uh i okay. guess i'm gonna fight you know he has an ability to just kind of when he tells you that be like i guess that's what's happening you know what i mean so but but the whole your whole story there reminds me of you know how you're at a party or something or hanging out with some friends for a long time and you're drinking you're about 12 beers in you're like tomorrow we're gonna get up at 6 30 and run you know and then it is like you wake up at nine and it never happened well that that's what you did and mark called you and it had to happen then right so pretty much <laughs> yeah. you're drinking i'm gonna fight yeah whatever you're fighting in too much than tel aviv Ooh, i better i better learn how to fight a little bit right no that's exactly it and uh that was a good analogy like whatever he said you ended up doing um <laughs> the funny thing is that coleman at, at Ohio State, he honestly, he says, Nutter, you took me down twice in your life. And one of the times I, I tore his ACL, like after he was the UFC champ, Randleman never took him down. Um, oh. I mean, if Randleman was alive, he'd tell you he never took him down. But that's how intimidating he was. If he said, I'm moving in, well, shit, I ain't got much to say. Yeah. Um, I, I don't gone, try not to eat all my food. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Well, we if got to fight about uh, chicken too. He, he says you only flip chicken one time, and we honestly got in almost a fist fight about how many times you're allowed to flip chicken, um, which is a funny story. We we joke about it to this day, but uh, um, I think you could flip it as many times as you want until it's done. Huh? Until it's done. Well, you don't want to tell Coleman that because he'll uh, rip your head off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's what does Mark say? Is it two times? No, he's you know it's only two. You got to cook it on one side. You get your opportunity on the other side, and it's done. You don't flip it more than that. And why we almost honestly got into a, a throwdown? What that that sounds personal. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he's learned though because he watched Gordon Ramsay talk about flipping a, a skillet steak um, multiple times. Honestly, if if I looked at my phone, he would uh, say. Nutter, you might be onto something, but this whole flipping the chicken and cooking stuff um, is an inside joke between us. Okay, so the, Miguel, the date on his first fight, I, I think I've got my notes confused. Is it his first fight? Is is that January? The tournament fight in Brazil, is that January 1st, 1998? Uh, no, the January 1st fight's a single fight in Brazil. He followed okay. it, the original Against first Elias fight. Rodriguez. It, okay. Yes, it's November 12th, 1997 is the Tel Aviv show. All right, I got the, it. So yeah. January 1st, 1998. So you're, you're talking, you stayed sober. I mean, you're a college student, essentially, right after college. So you stayed sober all throughout the holidays for a January 1st, 1998 fight. I did, yeah. That's impressive. That's impressive. All right. So what were your takeaways from fighting in Brazil your first time? And I mean, you're, you're a son of a school teacher. What was you're your parents' skip- reaction? Wait, hold, hold on. He, you're, skipping, you're skipping a fight. You're skipping, Tel Aviv. you're skipping his Israel eight-man tournament. So he, Did he start at the Israel or did you start yes. with Elias no, Rodriguez? No, no, no. He, st- he dove right into an eight-man tournament. The Elias Rodriguez okay. is just a single fight. Okay. And- right, hey, hold on. Hold on. My notes... <laughs> I, I texted them to myself and they got jumbled. It's not my fault. Okay, don't right. worry. 
We I got apologize. You. I, I, November 12th, 1997, eight-man tournament, uh, International Absolute Fighting Council, Tel Aviv, Israel. Correct? Yes. So, okay, but, now, but, but, but what does Coleman tell you about this show? He goes, you're fighting in Israel. He's like, who's, like, who's the promoter? Like, what do you know, actually, about yes. what was going on there? <laughs> Good point. So the weird thing is, the day after I talked to Coleman and I said I wanted to fight, he told me I have a fight in Israel. And back then, you had to go to the World Wide Web and do the dial-up with the phone and everything. And I ended up seeing my name on this. And at that point, I got sort of scared straight. Um, to me, you know, in football, I was all-state in football. I was, you know, wrestling. And, you know, your coach says, you know, sprint hard. It, what's the worst that could happen? You get tackled hard. In wrestling, you might get pinned. But back then with, um, you know... <clears throat> No rules, no holds barred. It was a little scary. So at that point, I'm I was scared to death. Like I was honestly afraid of dying. So <laughs> if I stayed sober through the holidays, um, I had two months to train and I didn't touch anything. So we trained, we went out to Arizona, we trained with Mark Kerr for a while for about three or four weeks prior to my first fight. Came back into town. It's uh, two days before we're ready to leave for Israel. And, uh, you know, we get a call. Coleman starts talking to the promoters. The Israeli government wouldn't allow this type of fighting, um, which is weird because everybody in Israel has a machine gun. Um, <laughs> so it, I would think that, uh, you know, uh, you know, gloves up, guns down would be a, a good thing. But um, so moral of the story is uh, the day before my flight, to Israel, um, they said the fight's off. And I basically was training my ass off, didn't make money. I was, I was working out in Arizona with current Coleman, uh, working hard and haven't really enjoyed life. And the fight was off. So I called up my one buddy named Jack Cahill and I decided it was time to go out and, and have a little fun. So I made up for uh, two months of you know, not partying in one night. And uh, we we had quite a bit of fun in Columbus. Um, uh oh, <laughs> <down> hard. <clears throat> Coleman calls me about nine or 10 in the morning. And I answer the phone with, uh, you know, like I try to do to my mom many times when I was in college, she'd call me like on a Saturday morning, acting <laughs> like I wasn't hung over. And yeah. <laughs> Nick, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing good, mom. She's like, are you sleeping? Are you taking care of yourself? Sort of the same thing. But Coleman calls me and says, daughter, hey, you still want to fight? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Thinking the fight's going to be in a couple of weeks. He's like, all right, I'll be over in 15 minutes. You got to get on the plane. Like, oh, shit. Um, it, so I, I got out of bed and I'm thinking I got 15 minutes. I grab my a duffel bag and I start throwing stuff in it like cologne and uh a couple pairs of shorts and a shirt. And as I'm doing this, I ended up vomiting from um, being hung over. Uh, Coleman gets to my house. He honks the horn. I run out there. I he, he pops up his hood and I go to throw my bag in and I don't see another bag in there, which was weird. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's in the passenger seat or something. So I throw my bag in and uh, I jump in the front seat, you know, sick as a dog. And 
we started driving to the airport. I'm like, okay, what's up? Yeah, so when's the fight? Obviously, it's it's going on. Is it is it in a couple of days? He's like, no, it's honestly, it's, you know, you're going to arrive at 6 p.m. and the fight's at 8. I'm like, oh, all right. I go, all right, so we got this. And he's like, no, it's not we. Um, the points <laughs> to Israel are too expensive. And he says, you're by yourself, daughter. I'm like, oh, God. First of all, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to fight to begin with, um, let alone not having him in my corner. Never left the country. I mean, I went to Canada to go, to go gamble with my my grandma in like Windsor a couple times, but never left the country. Um, he basically says, Nutter, you got to go. So he drives me to the airport. Wait, wait, wait. Have you cornered anybody at this point? I, I cornered Coleman in his very first UFC 10. Okay. Okay. So at least you've been to a live event. Okay. All right. That's good. Live event, and I, I do remember the um, the weirdness of hearing the thuds, you know, of uh, the bare knuckles on the skull, which is yeah. different than you know I've I've been doing a lot of coaching lately, but the gloves make a difference. But to just hear a bare knuckle on the skull is weird. And I remember Modi Hornstein, his very first fight, he. Uh, just the the licks he was giving him it was uncomfortable and scary um, okay so so you, just you go to brazil alone okay how long of a plane ride is it so or uh, tel aviv you go to tel aviv alone how long of a plane ride is it it's probably a seven or eight hour flight that's okay. it yeah no for real no, no. Well, no you had you had to go you had to probably go to holland or Germany or new york first no, we went to New York, and then from New York to Israel was eight hours. Okay. All right. I it's can see that. Yeah, I can see from New York the direct flight. I, I do also want to mention, Nick, just so, just so you know, we consider ourselves a little bit of historians here. I think you probably took fights under the worst possible conditions I've ever heard. No corner in Israel for the panda. Well, well, <laughs> let's hear it. You know, Miguel, to play devil's advocate here. We've talked about Mark Coleman's cornering. He may have been in a better spot. <laughs> you're right. Uh, scares the hell out of you when, hey, you're, when you're in the corner. On a different note, man, I remember like I had a lot of fights. Well, not a lot. I probably had at least 10 fights, 12 fights when I went over to Japan for my first time. And they got me there like, you know, five or six days early. And, uh, Man, like the first three days, I felt terrible. I remember the second day I was there, I went and worked out the gym, and I was like, man, I got no wind. And then the next day, I same thing happened. I was like, I'm not ready for the fight. But then like the third day, I leveled off. I don't see how you could possibly go there and fight within a couple hours or even the next day or the day after that. I don't see how that's possible without just totally gassing out. Because yeah, jet lag's a real thing. No, no, Nick, Nick, did you even see your hotel prior to the fight, or did you go from the airport to the venue? I'll tell you about that real quick, um, which is a funny story in itself. But you guys say, like, I picked the worst fighting, like, options available. I honestly didn't know I had a chance, um, you know. Or a I choice. Know was a way out. Yeah, that was just it. That's what it was. It's like, okay, you're going. Um, yeah. Hopefully I've the plane gets lost. I'm a rule follower. Like, you know, if my dad says I got to do it, that's what I have to do. So, we, we get to New York. I meet, um, who are the two guys? The, the other Americans were Zane Frazier. And, and Joe Charles. Ghetto man, Joe Charles. So I got Get to meet them and they were, they were fun guys. 
Um, we get on the, the plane to Israel and I'm still sick. Honestly, you guys don't know how, how hard I hit it the night before. Um, this is a big day. And, I bet you he stank. I bet you during the fight, the fighters are going, man, he might be still drinking. I bet you it was coming out of your pores. Well, maybe. I agree. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past me. But so we get on the plane and Zane and um, uh, Joe were able to talk to the flight attendants into letting them get first class seats. So they're up front, like relaxing. I'm back there with um, all the peasants and, uh, <laughs> you know, really slumming it out and sick as a dog. I, I threw up on the plane. Um, we finally land in Israel. It's probably five o'clock at night and uh, we get off the plane and we're going through security. And like I said, there's people with the machine guns all over. It's an intense security checkpoint. Yes. Yes. And I swear these kids are 15 years old with machine guns um, sitting around. It's, it's not like old people. Um, it was weird. So we, we end up getting it, getting in a van with um, the other fighters, the Russians, um, which was Maxim Tarasov and Igor Bovchenshin and all these people. And, I, for some reason, this is probably 12 hours after my, my drinking binge, we, we started driving and we we're going to go to the hotel. And so we're driving to the hotel and the guy's like hitting the gas and then slamming on the brakes, hitting on the gas. And <laughs> I'm like, listen, guys, I tell the, the translator, like, I got to get out. So in the middle of a highway in Israel, I get out of the car, this van with all the guys that I'm going to fight. And I'm thrown up and I hear these Russians like whatever they're saying, but I know they're saying, I hope I get this fucker first round. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we, I gotta we, be honest with you, Nick. I, I've actually done that the day of a fight too, but okay, but I, it wasn't my fight. It was my show. Yeah, you were the promoter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get to the hotel and I'm like, okay, you know, is it tomorrow night to fight? They're like, no, run your bags upstairs. You got 10 minutes. We got to get to the venue. It starts at seven. It's already 6.30. I'm like, Jesus. So there's no rules meeting then. All right, go ahead. No rules meeting. No, I honestly don't know what the fuck I'm, I got myself into. And I'm, I'm in this situation because my wife called me a pussy. Um, if I had it to do <laughs> all over, I'd rather just be a pussy. Men have done worse things when your wives yeah. have said things oh. like that. So, I mean, let's, no, but I mean, let, let's let me put ask that you, in proper context. Let me ask you, Nick. So, you were wrestling. You, you got, you know, a, a decent training camp, especially for those days. What what were, what were you weighing? 220? No, I was a little big for that one. I was probably 250. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. That's uncomfortable in, 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 in the back of the airplane. But, yeah, yeah, 250. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't dainty. Um, that's for sure. So basically, um, we had 10 minutes to run our stuff upstairs. The, the driver of the, the van said, hey, friend, listen, you are sick. You need to go jump in the sea. And, and I'm speaking with a weird accent. I don't know if that's my Israeli accent. but, but um, <laughs> The best we're going to get out of you. Yeah, yeah that's the best you're going to get. But jump in so the I sea. ran upstairs. I put on my, my spandex shorts. I put on my wrestling shoes, um, a knee pad. And I had a jacket and a, a jump rope. So I came back downstairs. He's like, no, go jump in the sea, the ocean. So in the back of our hotel was the Mediterranean Sea. And I ran out there and I jumped in. I took my shoes off, but I had my, you know, fighting shorts on and whatnot. But I jumped in there and I swear to gosh, it was like a, an elixir. 
it made me feel so much better. Um, really? Well, it was cold. It was refreshing. It was good. Uh, the salt water. So I'm running now with my shoes. I'm wet with my hair, <laughs> my pants. You know, I have no. Dude, they must have thought there was a mental patient that they picked up. <laughs> hey, no. you know, as it turns out, the driver gave you good advice. Jump in the sea. Coleman wouldn't have told you to jump in the sea. No. <laughs> Probably accidentally. It's accidental good advice. Yeah, it, you know, in hindsight, I'm glad he wasn't there. I, I lost my first round match. Don't do that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. Let's let's talk about kind of like, God, you know, man. how we got here. Let's so, talk about how we got. But like, what did you eat? Did you eat on the airplane? Did they have food for you? Anything like that? Or they were you hydrating with orange juice? That's kind of where I where I'm at with this. You know what? I, I took sips of water, maybe orange juice. Um, I do remember one time I went to go check on Zane and uh, um, Joe. Joe, Joe Charles. Uh, and I saw them like, you know, finishing their filet mignon with the uh, flight attendants massaging. <laughs> and then I got shooed back to the back, like, go back that there is. and eat your uh, corn dog. Um, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I probably had a corn dog and a orange juice and the water in me at this point now you get okay you get to the airport you go to your hotel now you get to the venue what's your impression of Federico Lapenda at this point who happens to be the promoter of the event so Federico I did meet in New York and I got to talk to him and he was cool um I love Federico he uh he was my quarter man honestly yes yes he was all of my fights for that one and you know he gave me good wisdom. Uh, it was my first fight. And, you know, he's like, take the guy down. You know, he's going to like um, scramble after he gets taken down because he's scared. Let him like wiggle himself out and, you know, calm down and then unleash the ground and pound, which was good advice because had he not said that, I probably would have taken him down and then just started flailing and I would have lost position. He would have escaped and then. I'd have been in bigger trouble, but it, he was honestly, you, you know, and you're joking about Coleman not being a go, good quarter man, but uh, friend Rico was an awesome quarter man. Um, really? Yeah, he had everything figured out. He's like, I took him down. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, slow down. Just just hold your position, hold your position. He's like, and, and my thing back then is I didn't mind being in somebody's guard when headbutts were allowed. Um, I think when headbutts were not allowed, that changed the sport quite a bit. But I will be in anybody's guard, and my goal is to get you down, stay in your guard, drag you over to the cage, get your neck crunched up on the side, and at that point, then I'm going to come down and start laying down the uh, um, punches and headbutts. Uh, when 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 the sport took away headbutts, it really hurt the wrestler, in my opinion. Now, let, let, let me ask you, in the two two months of training with Coleman and stuff, like Coleman took out seven with, with you know, like a, <clears throat> a, a head squeeze. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but so you you probably had some basic moves. I remember Kerr used that chin in the eye move too. Which well, is were you ready with that stuff? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you have a jujitsu instructor? No. Okay. No. Now, the weird thing with, with our Hammer House is I was sort of the student um, with Coleman and Randleman and everybody. I was, um, you know, I, I 
I was the uh, intellectual one that said, okay, we got to watch out for this arm bar. How do you set it up? You know, <laughs> and I was the guy that sort of scouted. And then I'd go in and like Randleman and Coleman, like, okay, this is an arm bar. You got to watch for this. Um, but <laughs> it sounds weird, but I was like pre YouTube like, yeah. planning from videotapes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But they're like, okay, I won't let them do that. And gosh darn it, for the most part, they didn't let them do it. Uh, now, obviously, Father Time um, allowed many, or Fedor got Coleman quite a few times at the arm bar and Noguera and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I, I was a thinker, I, I would imagine. And I, I mean, even in our fight with Tarasov, my very first fight, he was going for a, a triangle. And I, I just knew to like, the one thing I need to do is make sure that one leg doesn't come up over my shoulder. Um, and if you watch the fight, I sort of trap his knee. I pin his knee down with my knee, but I was the, uh, believe it or not, the intellectual one of Hammer House. Which well, is, I, I, no, I do believe I, that. I, I, I don't think that's we've hard. Talked, we've talked for five minutes. We figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for the first 30 seconds, I understood that. Well, well, so Nick, talk about a little bit about Maxim Tarasov. He's a, yes. a little bit of a guy that, that we all appreciate here because uh, he was one of Oleg Taktarov's training partners back way back, you know, while they were in Russia together. And Oleg, when we mentioned him, kind of laughed and referred to him as his, like, nerdy brother. And he is kind of like skinny, like, wears glasses, like, outside of the ring and stuff. But he's also a sambo fighter, like you said, with a guard and, and trying for a triangle and stuff. So, you know, talk about him and what that was like. So I don't know who I'm fighting. You know, they call me to the ring. Uh, he was introduced first and I walk in the ring and I see this sort of, you know, no disrespect, but a skinny guy. Um, I don't know if he weighed 200 pounds, but, you know, skinny. He did look like he's been in some fights. He had a crooked nose, cauliflower ear. Uh, okay, wait, wait, wait. So in the back room, there wasn't a lineup of who you were fighting. You found out when you got called out. Pretty much, yes. Now, I knew I had, who I had in the semifinals because I I was the first fight of the night, but I had no idea who I was fighting. And, and now, it's in the ring, right? It's not in a cage. No, it was a cage. This one was okay. a cage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, I fought in a ring once, and I hated it. Uh, I fell through the ropes. It was horrible. Yeah. So yeah. All right, so let's stay on Maxim Tarasov. Okay, so bring us through the fight. Okay, so I see this, like, skinny Russian guy that looks a little weathered. And I'm like, okay, this guy, I can't lose to him because I probably outweigh him by 50 or 60 pounds. Um, but he does look like he's been in some damage in his life, probably more than I have. So, um, you know, I don't know if he's a kickbox. Back then, we didn't know um, – anything about our fighters. I didn't know if he was a kickboxer, if he was jujitsu or sambo or anything. Um, I, all I knew was my one thing wrestling. I'm going to take you down and try to ground and pound you. So they say fight. And I, you know, circle a little bit. I, I see like, he's really, you know, looking to kick me with his back leg. I, I go for a uh, double leg and I totally missed. I think I'm the first fighter to ever miss 100% on double leg. Even the announcer's like, wow, you don't see that. Oh, okay, so, so Nick, how, how were your nerves at this time? Horrible. Horrible. What was it like backstage? Like, who did you warm up with? Oh, horrible. My jump rope. 
So you had no one back there talking to you. Honestly, from the time I, I got to the arena, I, you know, my pants are still wet with salt water on them from the sea. They said, Nick, you're up in five minutes. I hit maybe three minutes of a jump rope, talked to Frederico. And as we're talking, they're like, Nick, nutter. And I'm walking out there. Honestly, from the time I got to the arena till I was walking out there was at the most six minutes. Hey, that's probably for the best, to be honest with you, man. No, there, no time to think about it. They were probably waiting for you. It's like, shit, the crowds are getting restless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just went through your entrance music twice. Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is really insane. But, well, okay, but now, now think, about, think about this from a promoter's standpoint. You got guys getting there less than 10 minutes before they're supposed to hit the ring. I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine feeling that. And you got your plane ticket last minute. They're not going to allow it in Israel. You got told that the bout got canceled. I, I, Federico Lependa, like I, I, that stuff like that takes years off of your life. And English is not his first language. He speaks Portuguese and he's operating an event in Israel. Right. Like, I, <laughs> with, 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 with heavy Russian ties. Don't forget the heavy Russian it, ties. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Heavy Russian ties. Okay. So you fight Tarasov and like, how was his squeeze? When did you finally settle in? When did you get comfortable? Because you're everyone's first fight's their worst. Okay, so like I said, the worst thing that could happen is I took my shot and I honestly just hit air. I missed, I, I didn't even touch his legs. I think you hit thinking, the fence. Huh? You went, you hit the fence. No, I missed the fence, thank God. It was Did just, you miss it? It was close. Not a video, I watched it. So in the, the ref or the, the commentator made fun of it. I'm thinking, oh shit, this is going to be horrible. Um, you always hear of... Uh, you know, back then you always hear of the, in everybody's hometown, there's Sensei Daryl or Sensei um, Mark, who is like, he's not allowed in the UFC because too dangerous. death moves. <laughs> yeah. Like, but he smokes cigarettes and he's fat. And I'm like, there's no way Sensei Mike is going to fucking kick my ass. I, I guarantee <laughs> it. But yeah. I'm thinking... I might have just ran into Sensei Mike and he's going <laughs> to embarrass me for everybody. By the grace of God, um, I took another shot and I took him down. Um, he did He did uh, try some, you know, submissions. I think he was, I think, and you would know better than me, um, but I think he was a submission fighter, correct? Yeah. He did, yeah. Okay. He did Sambo. Okay. Um, but after a couple minutes... And, and honestly, Frederico said, you know, hold the position, hold the position. And that maybe went on for two minutes. And then finally, he's like, okay, go ahead, unleash yourself. And I ended up just, you know, getting up and doing the ground and pound headbutts. And he ended arm up isolations, with- too. You got him with a couple of arm isolations and you, and you stuck in some real good punches. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm good at that stuff. Like, you know, if I, or, or I used to be it, like, okay, if I take away that arm, he can't defend this left hook coming over from this, the top. So I don't know. I think I had an uncanny ability to uh, sort of just know where people's supports are. Um, yeah, it's just a, a fight IQ. Yeah, you had a good fight IQ. Yeah, I had a fight yeah. IQ probably before fight IQ was a thing. But no, I'm going to trap that arm down, and now obviously I'm going to go heavy with the left hand to the head. Until wait, he- wait, 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 is that something you guys practiced at Hammer House, or is that just something you did in that fight? 
It's probably something I did in the fight. Like I said, I was the one in Hammer House with the IQ. Coleman okay. just like, hey, I don't give a fuck. If you got both my arms, I'll hit you with, with my shoulders. Like, But I tried to think a little bit more, probably. Um, and That's not difficult, but go ahead. <laughs> and we, uh, we love Mark. <laughs> yeah, Mark's our guy. I, I just saw Mark last week. That's my buddy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, All right, so you get your hand raised. You actually uh, – Well, how did you for, finish first, him? How did you finish him? Did you finish I, him? I, I – uh, he tapped out from strikes, ground and pound. Yeah. Now, now, let, me, let me ask, what was the time limit on the fight? Uh, there was none. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, that's not true. What it is was there were 30-minute rounds, <laughs> and what happens is after that 30-minute round, if there was uh, no winner, even if a guy was so dominant – they would go for a five-minute overtime. Okay. I yeah, you know, no. Nick, I, I went crazy figuring it out. I saw the format. Um, it didn't happen on this event, but it was on the next one. So I figured it's Federico Lependa, same kind of rule set. So it, it's a 30-minute. So essentially what he just agreed to is he's got three fights, 90 potential minutes with an extra five minutes of each overtime on a flight that he gets to the event. 10 minutes before he hits the ring and he's hung over. So Mike, I did, I did not know that until I was fighting Igor and, um, oh, wait, wait. that's, Igor. that's the finals. Okay. We're, we're going to go step by. This is Back good stuff. Up. Okay. <laughs> but I, I did not know those rules, but I was illuminated to it during that fight. And that's probably a good reason why I tapped because okay. I, I, I don't I, find, Okay. Nick, Nick, you're ruining the ending. Okay. okay. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Okay. Go to the next. So, so, so what happens is, so Nick, you win that fight. Yes. You have an adrenaline dump after that. Oh, I feel good now because now I can go back and tell my wife, who's my girlfriend at the time, like, shut up. Uh, not a pussy. I'm right. not a pussy. Told you. Yeah, I showed you. I told yeah, you. I took. I flew halfway across the world, but I showed you. Okay. Wait, I real quick, sure too. What is the what is, what is the purse for this thing? Okay. What, do you, what do you get paid to, to show up? What do you get paid to win? Do we know that. Okay. So um, for that tournament, to win it was $10,000. Um, to show up was 1000 If you made the semifinals, 2500 If you made the finals, 5000 Okay. So $1,000, uh, $2,500, $5,000, 10000 I will okay. also I'll point out that after the first fight, you can call your wife you know, with a little bit of honor. But you still have two more fights before you can call Coleman. True. <laughs> yes. Nice job. True. That's true. That's true. Okay. So between, you that between, now, us I mean, though, between us, I was totally fine with that. I didn't care if I lost to Joe. Okay. But, uh, Abu Dhabi veteran Joe Charles, I might add. Coleman's calling me right oh, now. There's Coleman on the yeah, line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell him. Okay. All right. So, all right. So, I mean, Joe Let's do a little side note. So I call Mark in regards to yourself just to kind of, you know, get his feel for you about a week ago, but about four days ago. And, uh, you know, he was telling me green hadn't fought before, but it was with the money and stuff like that. And Mark goes, yeah, but he had kind of like an easy road to the finals. So it's something that I was comfortable with. And I said, well, you know, that's really not true. Maxim Tarasov after that bout, won 18 fights in a row and never Ooh. lost. Like that was his last loss. So he has 18 fights in a row, wins everybody. And he gets like legit competition. 
And he's Oleg Tektarov's like main training partner and a very accomplished Sambo guy. And Mark goes, man, I wonder if Nick knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you too. I, I know Maxim. I met him once. Um, his English is pretty good. Did, did, did you have any interactions with him or what was that like? Uh, yes, we did. Um, so after the fights, they allowed us to stay there for three days in Israel. I got to go to Jerusalem that's, and Bethlehem. And, that's super cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I ended up hanging out with the Russians, um, went to dinner with them. He was a really cool guy. Igor is awesome. Everybody was awesome. And uh, I don't know. It was it was really cool. We had a translator, but I don't know. They seem like brothers. Um, any fighter I've ever been with, I've always felt like there is an honor and a code. Like, hey, if you're willing to, to do this, I don't know. I, I have a feeling like if things went down in Israel, they would have had my back just from being a fighter brothers. But that's Max cool. Was awesome. Uh, Igor is crazy awesome. Everybody was awesome. Um, you know, we shook hands. We did what we had to do. But afterwards, we... Uh, you know, drank a few beers and, and did other things and had fun together. Nice. Good. So let's go to round two. So okay. round two is against Joe Charles. Now, Joe Charles has got kind of like a deceiving record because it's lopsided in regards to wins and losses. But he's also got two wins in Abu Dhabi. So, like, he's not somebody that you can discount. Like, it's real easy to look at his record and go, ah, you know, he, he, he's just a body. But the guy's got two legit wins in Abu Dhabi and he's got four matches there. And, like, he's... He's not a slouch either. So you're in round two. What was the time period between round one and two? And did you, who did you think at that point that you were going to meet in the finals after watching the first round? Well, what was awesome was I was the first fight. That's so, the best. Yes. So I got to sit there. Joe had a, a big Russian wrestler that he ended up getting in a, a ankle or a, like some sort of heel hook and beat him. But I would not have wanted to fight that guy. I'd rather fight Joe because he was a big wrestler and we probably would have had a different bout. Um, and the semifinals went, Zane Frazier fought this guy and ended up losing, which he was silly. He went for a takedown and Zane's a, a you know, a striker. Striker, yeah. Screwed up, in my opinion. Uh, he went for a low single and got pounded uh, and... Igor took care of his guy. I sort of, obviously, I knew I had Joe. But at this point, confidence started flowing in me. Uh, I was so afraid of that first fight. And, you know, I believe my wife that I was a pussy and uh, I didn't belong there. But after I <laughs> him, I'm like, I looked at Joe. And although he's my buddy and we played cards and everything, I'm like, he was a little older than me. I'm like, I think I'm going to smash him. Uh so I, 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 I even thought, let's go. Uh, I'm going to throw hands with Joe. Like, I'm going to knock him out. Uh, so I walked across the cage, and I threw a jab, and he hit me with the counter right, right in the chin, and I saw stars. And I went <laughs> right to immediate mode. Like, I just did, like, a big double leg. And, uh, you know, the one thing I've, I've always been known for in my wrestling is I was a thrower, like, uh, the king of the five-point suplex, like a double-over suplex, a double-under suplex. Kind of like myself, Chris. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. Just just as a reference for yourself. 
No, I ended up a, a double under, and I tried a suplex, but he had good hips. I ended up getting the takedown, but he was no slouch at this point. Uh, I ended up getting him down and uh, worked him to the corner. He did uh, He did almost get me in uh, like a sneaky ankle lock, but at the end of the day, I, I got on top, and I remember a, a hammer fist. I faked it, and he went to block, and I hit him and he's like i'm good i remember him saying i'm good i'm done and i didn't hit him again because i'm i was prom king in 1992 at buckeye high school so um (laughs) that weighed into it that weighed into it i got you no he said i'm good and i didn't hit him again so (laughs) i'm good yes so that's how i got it through him all right so now you're you're done with round two where are you physically? How are you feeling? I'm feeling amazing at this point. Really? Yeah. Were you hydrating in between fights? Yes. Yes. The uh, uh, oh. hangover's gone. The confidence and uh, adrenaline. Go ahead. Well, I was also going to mention it, it, it. You know, a five. You have five and six minute fights. You know. That's pretty well, much here. as a wrestler, you're fighting a couple of times, right? So, and, and you didn't get it really hurt. So now you're competing. You're in your world. Right. Okay. So now, now check this out. So now he's in the finals, all right, where he's going to meet Igor Bochenshin. And so, I'm sure he didn't understand. Well, well here. Who he was. He looked like he didn't know who he was? No, he, he was a little guy. I'm like, okay. I'm a so, smash so, little dude. So how, let, did, how did he about, win his last fight? How did he so win let, his Let's talk fight? about uh, Igor's road to the finals. Yeah. Like we talked yeah. about your road. So he, uh, Igor beats, beats uh, Valery Plyev in seven minutes and 13 seconds, KO. Wow. At which point he fights Mikhail, uh, is it Arvatizian, another Russian guy? Arvatizian. Where he goes, he goes the entire 30 minute round. Whoa! And he has to do a five-minute overtime. Mike, Mike, let me just say this. You're ruining my um, toughness by telling me how awesome Igor is. Um, yes. <laughs> so let's go through the stats. So now you're going into the finals. Okay, here's, here's the tournament stats so far. And this is like, you know, for us betters and stuff like that, like we're into this. So, so Nick Nutter has got nine minutes and 44 seconds of total fighting with two KOs. Igor Vochenshin has 42 minutes and 13 seconds of fighting with one KO and one decision. Woo. It's a lot of mileage right there. <laughs> right. Right. That's, that's a lot of bumpy roads. So what was the time between the quarterfinals and the finals? Now, to be honest, uh, I'd like to say it was an hour, but Igor was back in that cage within 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Because you know, that, that's a lot of time to kill. Like for a live event, that's a that's a ton of time to kill. Chris, the weird thing about this, these Russians had so many people there. Like it, it I thought like really? the, the event was in like Moscow or, or, or <laughs> something like that because of how loud the Russian crowd was. So I, I Google searched it. One fifth of the Israeli wow. population is actually from Russia. Well done. No, no, like wow. I, I couldn't believe it. Like I'm like looking Tel Aviv. I'm hearing these people screaming. I'm like, there's no way this was in Israel. This had to be in Russia. And it, it, yeah, it was, it was little Russia. Yeah. Yeah. You it was know, crazy. 
I, I'd also like to point out here. Here's a little bit of the problem because now we're gonna open up the panorama a little bit here. Nine minutes versus forty-two minutes. But what if I told you Igor had done six, eight, uh, eight-man tournaments before that? Yeah, big difference. And that's the problem. He, he'd been yes. through. He'd been Very through a lot of tournaments. He was close it's to fifty the- fights already in ninety-seven. Oh my god. So, so yeah. that 35 minutes was him pacing himself, thinking, I got this one. I just need to get to the finals. I don't want to, you know, shoot my load all at once here. Nick, that's you go. Like, if you watch that fight, uh, that Mikhail Fetson, he might have got the decision, you know, if uh, I, it was the, it's called the Russian Absolute Fighting Championships. So it was, even though um, Frederico ran it, it was also ran by the Russians, and they wanted Igor to win it. So, mm. so what you're Igor saying is got help with the decision, but this other guy was game. Um, to, so wait, 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 what you're saying was it was a rigged election. I mean, <laughs> there was Russian interference. <laughs> Once again, decision. Russian interference. Russian interference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Avetsian for for those of us uh, that are on the nerdy side, Avetsian is. One of the guys that lost to Jeremy Horn in that famous IFC tournament that uh, I think it was I, his opening round fight. So, uh, and by then he was seventeen and five, seventeen and four in uh, you know international MMA. And I'm looking, you know, at his career. So yeah, he was a legit dude, and, and that's you know, so that had to give you confidence, Nick. You know, that's, I mean, the guy, the guy who's up thirty five minutes uh, of Igor's <laughs> time, you got to feel pretty good about that. Oh God, yes, and he was. I was and you had plenty of rest. Oh, I was sitting there watching them, you know, struggle for 35. They went, well, 30 plus a five-minute overtime. So, I don't know. I was chilling back there, um, you know, drinking iced tea and watching them get tired, thinking I'm going to crush. And he was little. He's only like Picking at the buffet. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, this is going to be easy. Yeah. A, a lot of people that know Vov Chanchin remember the pride of Chanchin where he fought as a heavyweight. And he carried extra weight. You right. had a sharp, ripped up, two hundred pound brutalizer. You you had him at his meanest. Right, so take us through the Bochenchen fight because I think I noticed something. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to let you say it. And if not, I'm going to mention it. But there was some fishy stuff in that bout. First off, like the corners were following the entire fight around, and it wasn't it wasn't like Nutter's corner. It was Volchensians, like it was literally a group of guys. Wherever Nick was on the mat, they were following him around. If Coleman was there, there would have been a fist fight for sure. <laughs> there would have been a fist fight. Uh, so, so, so go ahead, Nick. Take us through the Volchensian fight through your eyes. Okay. So, what was cool at this point is, at this point, I had three cornermen. I had a uh, Zane, I had a uh, Joe, and Joe Charles, Frederick Lapenda. Yes. So you're collecting them. You're collecting corner yeah. along the way. No, <laughs> USA versus Russia at this point. Yep. However, so, there was probably seven Russians in their corner. Um, so the I don't know. I had no fear because I didn't know how good he was at the time. But I'm like, he's little, he's tired. And I went right across the cage. I ran him up against the cage. I slammed him and I just went into like, you know, um round and pound. And, and I ended up pounding him uh, at like the four, 
four minute and 30 second mark ended up getting to his side back. You were allowed to do knees to the head. And I promise you, <clears throat> and I, I will show you the video, but I'm kneeing him to the head and he taps. Me. He yes, taps. he did. Yes, he did. It, it, did you get off of him at that point? Is that why you got off? I stopped. I looked yeah. at the ref. I said, okay. He's like, look at it. And they, they had a communication in Russian um, that I couldn't understand, but I don't know what they said, but I, I assume it's, hey, listen, Igor, um, you're not done yet. You're supposed to win. Yeah. Oh, he, he, here's the thing. Was, if Coleman was there, he would have went crazy, and that foul would have been case. stopped. I agree 100%. That's where yeah. I wish I had Coleman in my corner. You're yeah. yeah. The one time. The one uh, time you needed Coleman. The one time I need him. Other than that, he scares the hell out of me. Like, I, <laughs> So, Nick, why weren't you grabbing the cage at all? What do you mean? It appeared to be legal. So, like, put your hands in the cage and just kind of keep maintain your top position with a with a grip on the cage wall. Why didn't I? Because yes. I, I think I had a better one with, I had my hand behind his neck and I'd be able to pull him into my knee as I need him. So essentially Nick is arm isolating and, and jumping up and hitting Igor with knees. And he hits him with like three or four times. I mean, while Igor's back is on the ground and Igor's pinned against the cage. Like it's, it's some serious, serious ground and pound. And then there's like kind of like a weird commotion where Nick gets off of him. Nick gets off of him. There's that conversation. And then the referee does not stop it. And then Nick, you had to earn another takedown. It was not easy, but you got it. So go ahead. Uh, so let me, let me backtrack a little bit here. Okay. I was telling you after uh, Joe said, I'm done. And uh, I didn't hit him again. Shame on me. I should have kept hitting him until the ref stopped it. However, Igor tapped. Um, the ref grabbed me and said, okay, they had an exchange. I'm like, are we done? Like Coleman would have jumped the cage and been done. Um, Frederico was not in that position. So we went again. I need him three, three or four more times. He tapped again and the ref stopped it again. So it was two stops. Yeah. Okay. And at this point. Hey, but, but I think that what? tap that tap was on the blind side of the referee. Why yeah. did stop it then? Why the referee? Well, well, I think that's why the referee didn't stop it. I think he the did it one. to get you to stop. Yes. Okay. Right there. Like Bobby the Brain Heenan in WWF. He's doing this. He's doing this. Yep. Yep. So a brilliant move, I might add, especially what you're talking 1997. Brilliant move. It was. Move. He got me. Um, and at that point, after I stopped and looked at him, uh, he, Igor moved his position so I couldn't knee him anymore. And he it's went true. south after that point. And you're fading, <laughs> I might add. At this I am point. fading. I, I put my all into that. Yeah, and veteran move. Yes, it was a veteran move. Um, good for him. This is this guy's third fight, except it's the same day. You know and, what I mean? And, and he's fighting Igor and basically the entire Ukrainian mob. But yeah, but uh, yeah, it definitely. I think hard you work. know, Miguel. I think there's some truth to that. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Think thousand. They might have only had to pay Igor a, like a TV, a color TV or something. Yeah, yeah. And really I, on top of that, the, this whole network of shows, the absolute shows. There was a tournament uh, prior to that that Igor won, 
And there was a tournament prior to that that Igor came in second that he lost to Ricardo Marai, one of Henzo's students. And, oh, yeah. you know, those guys, those those tournaments were all brutal. There were people that broke arms in the middle of the fights. And, and um, there were there was one guy who got knocked out, knocked out with a kick to the face while getting up. And they restarted the fight. And they restarted the fight. He went to the right. back, came back out, they restarted So, yeah, they, if, if it didn't go their way, you... You know, until you got to the end of the fight, you never knew, you know? So how right. did, they, did they reset your talk? Go, go, Nick, I'm sorry. Well, I lost my... Okay, so after that, um, he got in a position and somehow um, he caught me with an elbow in my nose and uh, now I'm bleeding like a sieve. Um, I don't know. It was no, just... no, wait, no. No, no, Nick, I'm not, I, we, I know we're interrupting a lot, but is your wife's... It, uh, words echoing in your brain at this point. No, because I already, I already. Oh, okay, he's already okay. passed that, Mike. Oh, okay. No. And maybe she was right. <laughs> no, at this point, I'm thinking, as long as I won my first one, I'm not a pussy. You know, I did it. Um, to say, you know, to say that you went into a, a country with no coach, with machine guns, um, and uh, got in a cage, no hungover. Hungover, yes. Now, this is like a Kevin of, James movie. Just think of I was <laughs> right. Uh, what's it called? Um, Here comes the boom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, just think if I was sober that day, how bad I would have whooped his ass. Um, He's boy, is he lucky? Yeah, he is lucky. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it went south at that point. Um, I was tired. Oh, 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 okay, and, but there's also honor. There's also, and dude, Igor is headbutting him up. Igor, like on the side of his head, his orbital bone on the same side that Nick is headbutting and keying on for sure is broken. And he's using that orbital bone, that broken orbital bone, to up headbutt Nick. As strange as that might sound, that's what was going on. Like the most damaged part of his head that looks like a pumpkin, he's Mike, hitting Nick with. Mike, that is slightly. Um... Intimidating. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yes, I'm like, okay, this guy's crazy as fuck. Um, I'm not going to win. I'm going to kill him before he, he taps. <laughs> and, and, and let's talk about it. He's getting stronger as the round, as the time goes on. He keeps getting stronger. He does. And yeah. I'm getting weaker. And there's no water breaks. There's no in-between rounds. I mean, it's... It's 30 yeah. minutes, and what I found out was the last five minutes, you, you had mentioned this, you said don't ruin it, but the last five minutes is stand-up only. And huh. I'm not going to go stand-up against a K-1 kickboxer when I'm a wrestler. So I basically tapped because I didn't want to get embarrassed and be punted in the head. And uh, You were done. Yeah, you were done. You were done. I, was well, I mean, you, you, Nick, Nick, like you, you sit here and say, no, that's a Wait, setup, man. You were on the verge of death, it looked like. Because, no, I mean, you're just, you were sweating, you were depleted. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, no, you, you were spent. Now, you know, let's just, this is where we're, we say Nick is fighting the mob, too. Because let's put this together here 30 minutes against Igor Chanchin. And in case he hasn't gotten a job done in the first 25 minutes, you're only going to kickbox for the last five minutes. That's the rules. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, the, you're, 
Absolutely and, right. You know, so, so what we're saying is this. Nick goes two and one against Igor Vochenshin in their first bout. And takes the second, <laughs> and then takes the second prize money. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Again. You tapped him twice, actually. From what I did. so you went but, two and one against him. Now what, I, now, what I'm trying to do, Miguel, and I don't know how this works, but I I do want to go to the, like the three or four minute mark on uh, our first fight, and somehow put it up there, and you tell me if he tapped or not. Okay. This is what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do, Nick. I Miguel is very well written. Out of us three, Miguel writes the most. Miguel's going to file an appeal. Okay? okay. I mean, granted, it's what, like 25 years later? I want that I first prize faith. money. Okay, so Federico Lependa is now in charge of the, uh, of like the International Brazilian Tourism Board. And he definitely would not want to get his name attached to some like felonious stuff. I have no doubt Miguel can, can, can get this overturned. <laughs> Okay. Now, but, but no. hold on. So, to be honest, so so now here, you get the funds, you get paid. Now, you you spent three days. I was going to ask you, they didn't take you back to the airport from the arena. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that would brutal. be that would have been amazing. No hotel. No hotel. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Well, we had to save money on a hotel. We just flew them in from the United States and flew them right back out. We saved fifty bucks. Spent five grand. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I've done that. I've done that. We did a show in Russia. I did that to one of my judges. You talking about Carlos Diaz? Yeah, we just took him to the hotel to, from the from the venue back to the airport, dude. So wow, <laughs> was he like twenty six hours on an airplane? Yeah, so, yeah. All right, so now you get back. Talk to talk about is Coleman at the airport at least? Coleman? Well, no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, How about this? On. What's the afterward like? What does Federico Lependa say? You know, you got hosed. They know they hosed you. Did anybody say anything? Uh. No, Federico was saying, why'd you tap? Like, it's embarrassing how I tapped. Um, I mean, I'm the only person in top guard to tap from uh, headbutts from the bottom. Uh, (laughs) You took your place in history. Yes. Yeah, but it ain't that. You were doing. You said that. You said it all, man. You were thinking through. Why also? Keep I'm not five more minutes. I didn't tap out. because the headbutts hurt. I tapped because I wasn't going to go get embarrassed for five minutes on my feet. Is why I tapped. Um, hey, it was over. The fight was over. I mean, it's now. Let uh, me, so, but so Lapenda tries to justify it and stuff. You wind up fighting for him again. So, yeah. I mean, it could have been all bad, right? I mean, at the end of the day, too, I was thinking about it. For the time, the guy really was a pioneer, and he'd been around so many fights and stuff. He really was probably good, a good person to hang on to for advice and stuff at that circumstance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after the uh, Israel, he, uh, I had a fight with uh, what, Elias Rodriguez, whose name was in... Oh, oh, okay, so, so if, I, if I may interject real quick, I'm on tapology right now. Your Elias Rodriguez bout is listed as January 1st, 1997. So when I was announcing that first, it's wrong on the fight database. It's not my notes. My notes are correct. So I, I so Elias Rodriguez is your next fight after the tournament. Yes. Okay. And what, when, when did that take place? Yeah, um, I, I believe it was January of 98, January 1st, 98. So you think it was January 1st? They just messed up on yeah. the year. Okay. Okay. You're right. So you fought New Year's in Brazil. That's, you know, another kind of fun location, but you're not making a ton of money. 
No, that one was for five thousand dollars. Okay. Did Coleman go with you? I Coleman wish I went for me with that one. Yes. Um, that was fun. Um, Coleman was there, but he scares the hell out of you. That's the uh, Chris. I was telling you that's the time I fought in a, a ring, and I shot a double leg right off the bat, and that's my go-to move. Um, I don't want to box. Um, by the way, Chris, I was watching you fight. Um, one second. Um, Lamas and Drew Lipton. I don't know why you do oh. that. Forty-six years old now. You're crazy. Drew <laughs> uh, Lipton almost had him. Drew Lipton. Yeah. He was in Chris's head the whole time. No, if Mike, Drew had thirty more seconds, he would have knocked him out. I promise you that. <laughs> he won the whole fight until he lost. Yeah. So Chris, you're crazy. I got problems on it. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know where I was going with so that. Elias Rodriguez. Okay. Yeah. How, how was your training flight? Was that different than the tournament? Did you at least like were you able to acclimate before? before? Yeah. The cool thing about that one is they flew me in a week before. They flew, oh, okay. They flew Coleman in four days before. We'd go to different malls and um, I don't know concerts. And the funny thing is uh, we went to a concert and it was um, this blonde girl who was a Brazilian singer. And they're like, you know, you want to go to this concert? I'm like, not really. I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. And we ended up having to go. And they're like, yeah, to- okay, great. I'll see you in five minutes. We're going to the concert. <laughs> well, they're like, do you want to go backstage and meet her? And I'm like, no, I just want to go to bed. Here it was Shakira. Yeah, and you know, you know, in hindsight, um, talking to my daughters and dancing to Shakira, I probably should have went backstage and visited her. Um, but she's, that she's, was, that she's was more better. famous. I, she's more famous than Coleman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would agree. Not as good looking though. Not as good looking as Mark. So go ahead, Mark. Hey, everyone's got a type. Slow down. True. But now with the but seriously now where exactly where in Brazil was this fight? Is it list Brazil, Brazil? What city? Were you in Rio or Sao Paulo or it was called Recife. Recife, or, okay. All right. In uh Portuguese it'd be Recife. Okay, yeah. cool. It's up by the equator. Yep. Northeast part of Brazil. Yep, yeah, by Coleman um, and, and uh but that was sort of an yeah, easy Wait, wait, wait. So, so your parents at this time, I mean, your, your, your parents are, are high school teachers at this point, correct? Yes, sir. What is their homework? What is their reaction to this, these activities of yours? Like I said, my mom's like, um, Nikki, <laughs> you are a different bird and uh, you fly the way you want to, but. I don't know. I am the black sheep of the family. I, uh, my goal is to never be normal. I don't think normal people are ever remembered. I want to be abnormal. And, uh, I don't know. Just my mom's like, Oh, Nikki, that's the way God made him. And, uh, (laughs) can you imagine this beautiful woman going to school, like where we're in all the teachers and she's very proper and educated. And then at lunch, she's telling, yeah, my boy's flying to Brazil to fight a bare-knuckle, no-holds-barred fight. <laughs> hey, especially back then, you got to understand, like, when I first started training in the, like, 98, right, when, like, 
right when you were fighting, uh, people looked at you different when they found out what you did. They were like, yeah, like you, like you just said, you're going to eat babies for breakfast or something. That's yeah. how look, yeah, you know, so. It's just my thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like babies. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Now, but in, in Brazil, now you're in Recife, so you probably fly to Sao Paulo or Rio and then take another plane yeah. and you're on the beach. And But there, like, they treat the fighters different. You have a lot of fun, like you said. They take you to concerts in the malls. And, you know, I know Mark was checking out chicks at the mall, probably, and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, it's a single fight. Are you thinking, hey, I can do this at this point? Now, you were cutting out for a second, but repeat the last question. I was just saying, it's a single fight. You win. Are you thinking, now you're with Mark, a lot of confidence. Do you think, hey, I can do this fighting thing at this point? Are you... Settling in? Yeah. Yeah, I did. No, at this point, I I, I think Frederico was saying, um, let's get you a belt. Um, let's get you, a, you know, the hero of the northeast part of Brazil. Um, the guy, guy's name was Elias Rodriguez, but he went by Demudo Negro. And if you translate that, Demundo is demon black. So he was the black devil. He was like a pretty ripped black guy. Um, and he was like, um, I don't know. In Brazil, there's like, I want to say mythology, but he was a big person in the Northeast part of Brazil. Uh, but I don't know. I had no fear of him. Uh, and I mean, yeah, at Wayans? Coleman in my corner was awesome. And yeah, I knew it was just as. Yeah, weigh-ins. What was the we vibe didn't like? Do weigh-ins. Oh my god! No stare down. No pictures. Nothing. But we did a stare down, and you know I'm not good at stare downs because I'm a nice guy, and uh, maybe I'll give you a. But I'm not gonna give you the I'm gonna kill you look. I'm like, <laughs> uh, let's let's party, and then. Um, Eventually, uh oh, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But my thing is, I'm not the stare down champion. Um, I'll look at you and think, all I got to do is make you uncomfortable enough to tap, and then we'll be friends afterwards. Mm. I have no, uh, no hate or remorse or, you know, vengeance against anybody. Yeah, that's so, weird. You might be the only guy ever out of Hammer House that falls into that category. Yeah. You, you're the black sheep of Hammer House for sure. For yeah. sure. You, you're the Hammer House. Like, what's wrong with him? He doesn't hate We've already people. decided Mark he's the Hammer House intellectual. So were you the main event? Were you guys the main event of this fight or what? Yes, the one in uh with the black devil, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So he's he's Really fought two events, and he's been the main event both times. It's and pretty good. He's never not taken a plane for a fight. Like, he's never fought at home, no. which is really bizarre. Never fought in the United States to this day. How'd the fight uh, go? Yeah. How'd the fight go exactly? With uh, the, the Black Devil? Black Devil, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he's breaking up. Uh, we got in the cage. This was a ring, Mike. And, uh, you know, I 
he looked, he was ripped and he, he was ready to, he knew what, what was coming. I shot a double leg, but we ran out of the cage uh, through the, through the ropes. And I felt like, oh shit, that was my, you know, tell. he knows what's going to happen. Huh? So they brought us back in and uh, Miguel, if you're going to show, uh, you know, Igor tapping, show uh, me throwing uh, Black Devil through the ropes too, just to um, <laughs> back the story. Just to let his wife but, know uh, what's up. Let, it, let his yeah, old lady know. So the second one wasn't as impressive. I didn't really go as hard, but I got him down. And it was sort of uh, awesome because the bottom rope of the uh, uh, ring had a net. So yeah. I would I just pushed his head under the net. I pulled the rope over it and like put it under his chin <laughs> so he couldn't do anything. I just punched him. And the ref didn't say anything. Eventually, the, it's probably the first the time you ever saw it. That's a good move. That's a, that's a veteran yeah. hammerhouse move right there. Well, you learned a lot from Igor Vochenshin. That's good. Yeah. Well, well, that that net under the ring—that's a—that's you know the Brazilian would have done that to you. So that's a oh, guarantee. Yeah. Yep. So, and the rest—they don't give a shit down there. So no, they didn't. I mean, the crowd sort of liked it. It was a unique, uh, innovative thing to do, and. Uh, you know, if you could have just got that rope all the way around and did like, uh, you know, like a necktie, that would have been great. Like a lap, lapel choke. Yeah. yeah, yeah choke, awesome. choke him with the ring rope. <laughs> there, there's that intellectual part again, thinking. Yeah. yeah. I was tired, though. I, I That was the first time I punched myself out, though. How, how so, long did it last? Uh, Three or four minutes. Okay. Yeah. Is it maybe because you weren't letting them wiggle like you did in the first tournament and you kind of went all in? No, I went all in because I was thinking um, my plan was I'm just going to keep barraging him with, with these and the ref's going to pull me off, but he didn't. Uh, he let the guy keep going. And honestly, I was missing a, I, I got tired as hell, and thank God um, his corner threw in the uh, the the towel because I was tired as hell, to be honest. Was he cutting, leaking pretty bad? Was he bleeding all over the place? Nope, nope. And uh, wow. not being racial or anything here, but I know black people have thicker skin than white people. But I hit him so many times on his eyebrow and stuff, and he swelled up, but he sure as hell didn't cut. Which, wow. which Igor did cut rather easily, but um, man, he lumped up, but uh, there was no blood at all. Man. So that was scary for me. Now, what wow. was he like? Because those guys, I, I've met a couple of those old school Brazilian guys. There was another guy called Sombra de Noite, the Shadow of the Night. Another skinny North uh, Brazilian guy and stuff like that. Those guys were not like, hey, you know, shake hands afterwards, were they? <laughs> Gamundo Negro or Elias Rodriguez, he was cool. Um, but no, there's one guy. Uh, it you know, and now I'm going to the, our third fight with uh, with Patrick Smith and Paul Varlins and Igor. Like this big fight. Well, that's the um, next tournament, though. How, yeah, how were they? How were they at 
that event? Were they nice to you or was it, uh, you know, very persona non grata in regards to the attitude after the event? Which one? Elias Rodriguez. The second one. He was, he was, he was respectful. Um, unfortunately, we, we had a beard too outside, but I don't know what he was saying because he's speaking Portuguese. But kind of nod your I'm head. Sure and drink. I'm sure it's all compliments. <laughs> he was, true. I, I honestly think he was afraid of me. Uh, <laughs> so he didn't, um, he wasn't a douchebag. If, if, uh, that, if that makes sense. Okay, so, so where sense. was that third one? That where was that third tournament you were just talking about, Paul Varland? Was that in Brazil? Let me set it up. Would you allow me to set it up? Set so, it up, baby. You can knock right. it down. February third, nineteen ninety-eight, World Valley Tudo Championships five, billed as Brazil versus the world. Ooh. Now, damn, Mike, you are so good with your. Uh, no, uh, this is amazing. This is this is what's amazing. All right, so Brazil versus the world in Brazil. Chris, Miguel, we've been around a promotions game, you know, just a little bit. We've been around a few corners. You pack the seats with your local ticket sellers, right? Yeah. I mean, your big popular guys supply the crowd. You bring in people from out of town in order to kind of get the event rolling, but you, you try to take care of your hometown guys. You know, you got to yeah. give them a win. All right. So this is one 30-minute round, five minutes overtime, just like, just like the other one. There's four Brazilian fighters in this tournament. Their career records after retirement, after the course of their career, was 10 wins and 25 losses. It is one of the guys was one in 12. Like it's literally <laughs> the job squad of Brazil coming wow. in, representing that country. I don't, this is like Frederico Lependa. I've got my notes. One day, hopefully, we interview him. I hit there's something that took place that completely screwed the local talent. Just they just got tired of it and they left something happened there. And he had to rely on a whole bunch of bodies to fill their spot. 100%. There is something there because there's no way you get like this, these horrible Brazilians to fill these spots. So Mike, let me comment on that real quick. Um, Please. So, okay. The toughest guy was Paul Harris. Um, the Egolock guy that fought Igor the first round. Yeah, the He's Chinese won. boxing guy, Tulio. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, also, the four people they brought in was um, Paul the Paul, Paul Varlins, um, Patrick Smith, Igor Vukcevic, and myself. Uh, a lot of the Brazilians studs. Like, like, listen, that's not really a good tournament to enter. Even if you're a good Brazilian. Yeah, they, they want to protect their guys. I get it. Yeah, I mean. You know what? You got a point there. Okay. It's a very good counterpoint. Go, I mean, Varlins is a UFC, you know, guy. Um, he's a menace. Varlins is just an absolute menace <laughs> yeah, at this yeah. point. Yeah, he's just a giant guy that's just. Patrick he, Smith he, is crazy as hell. Um, Igor Vucicin at the time is slaying a lot of the, the crazy guys. And uh, myself, I mean, I'm not at their level, but they I'm know no, who you are. I'm no, uh, you know, walkthrough. So why would any Brazilian just want to come to this tournament in Recife, Brazil? Well, here um, I, I can respond to that. Okay. What was the pit? What what, did, what was the price for that to win it? Ten thousand to win. 
five thousand to make the finals. And that's that's a year of pay at that point for a local guy. That's right. what they were paying the Americans. Maybe they weren't paying the Brazilians that that's much. True. You know, they're different. You're right. You're right. They do it different, man. You know. You you're probably right, Chris. I mean, it's kind of like and I guarantee those, those, they, those Brazilians they paid didn't get as much as these guys did. Absolutely. You know, I, I have no doubt. It's we got to get Federico Lapenda and we got to pin him down. You know, he's got a huge government position over there. You know, <laughs> I would the like to have an interview and hang out with Federico again. Huh. All right, Nick. Who, who did you have first round then? Oh, Lucia Carvalho. Gosh, darn it, Mike. Nice job. Um, <laughs> MMA it, detective, Mike Davis. <laughs> so, basically, Coleman's like, now do they stack the deck against you? Um, this guy's amazing. He's got an octagon tattooed on his stomach. He, he really scared the hell out of me. I'm thinking that this guy's awesome, but... They <laughs> stacked the deck <laughs> Yeah. Coleman has got, got an octagon tattooed on his stomach. Here. He's legit. You know, Coleman scares you. Um, I'd rather have Frederico as my uh, quarterman. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, I'm so nervous now that you told me that. But um, I don't know. He was rather easy. Um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, he was 50 pounds lighter than me. And I was able to just get him down and uh, ground him, pound him. So two minutes, 40 seconds, you stop him. Approximately. Yeah, yeah. Give 239. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so check, Chris, This the, you guys got to see this. Like, I would like Miguel to kind of like put a video on and then like us on the bottom and just kind of comment what's happening on a fight. This would probably, this fight that I'm about to say would be the fight that I'd want to do first. And it's Igor Vochenshin versus Tulio Paul Harris. Okay. They call Paul Harris famous leg lock guy, maybe, you know, same family, you know, who knows? Tulio attempted like a few takedowns, never got punched a single time, kept circling out and then just said, that's it. I quit. Never <laughs> got punched. Are in, you kidding? In, no. In a five minute, it took like five minutes, like Federico Lapenda. There's no way he paid this guy. Like, no, there's like, like, there's no way that guy left there with any money, and he's lucky. He's lucky to get his ass whooped backstage. Wow! Just that, oh, wow. didn't didn't get a single punch. Just pointed at his foot. Yeah, I'm done. I gotta hey, go. Uh, Mike, I'll give you a little trivia. I, I'm sorry, Nick, but uh, if you want Tulio on the show, I can do it for you because I, I actually know him pretty well. He What's was, his record? It's poor. But okay, it's he, like he, one in twelve. What were you talking about? Is one win? Yeah, he, he was a UFC. Uh, he actually was an alternate at the UFC Brazil and fought on the UFC Brazil show. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then moved to Spain. And so he did have to get out of Brazil okay. eventually. <laughs> like witness protection program, moved to Spain. There's no, I mean, there's. But, so, but well, are you guys having that feeling at this show? Do you feel like the, what is Lapenda telling you about the Brazilians? Is it stacked for you guys? Like, are you feeling like, does that make you feel good or? Like, what's the show like? Or did you eventually knew you were going to get Igor anyway? To me, I thought I was going to get Igor because, I don't know, I had confidence and I felt like I, I could beat Paul. I could beat any Brazilian. I could beat um, Patrick. Like, 
I don't know. I, I thought it was ine inevitable that we'd meet in the finals. Okay. And, and, and on a side note, Pat Smith wins his opening bout and hurts his hand, never comes back into the tournament, but they don't have alternate fights lined up. So they just put Elias uh, Rodriguez, your, your former opponent, into the quarterfinals against, against uh, Igor. Yeah. So when they had a guy that never fought, just kind of, I think they scrambled in the background. Like, this is one of the events I am, anybody that fought on this card, like, I got to talk to him, you know? <laughs> so how, how was the crowd? Was it packed or was it empty? So it was basically, um, it was at a bar, like, uh, let's say a sports bar with uh, two levels. It was not like an arena. <coughs> it was... It was a weird place. Uh, the funny thing is, Paul Varlin's, uh, I lost my mouthpiece in the first round, and I needed one for the second round. And I asked Paul for one. He gave me one. And I, at this sports bar, I'm in their kitchen trying to boil a mouthpiece to make it fit. Um, so it, it wasn't really a, an, a, an event or an agenda. It was a sports bar. It, it was crazy. Man, I don't know how Frederico did this. Like, like, if you look at, like, Dana White, Jamie Levine, like, th those are two prominent promoters of that time. Frederico Lependa belongs in that category as well. Like, he, th this guy was promoting fights internationally and bringing, like, he, Frederico Lependa made his mark, man. I well, respect, Marco like, what Huas he's done. And uh, uh, Oleg, like, he's the guy behind... Uh, Mark and uh, Oleg, like, yeah, he's good. That rematch, yeah. Okay. Rematch. I, 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 I actually, I think I, I put him in the Peretti category. You, you put Federico Lependa? I think I kind of put him, well, <clears throat> I get what you're saying, but I think he's a little level above Peretti. Mm. I mean, he's promoting events in Tel Aviv. <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, okay, so so here, let, let's go. Paul Varlins. Going into that fight with Varlins, because you got through your first bout, what were your – you obviously must have known who he was. So what were your thoughts of him? Well, I remember watching uh, UFC with Coleman, like before Coleman even fought and Paul Varlins was on the TV and uh, – I don't know. I looked up to him like that's a big guy. Um, but I watched Kerr beat him earlier in the like a Brazil tournament. And I, I wasn't nervous about him. Um, so I just thought it was going to be easy. Get a takedown. Uh, you know, get on top and ground a pound. I wasn't worried about that one. Nice. And Paul, Paul kind of played along to talk about the fight. Because Paul, Paul, what he bought was, and you got to, like, when he was in UFC, he came in big, big, but you got to kind of in shape. Like, he started to trim down. A he looked bit. good. He looked good for and, that fight. Yeah. And he always bought the intensity. So, you know, talk a little bit about Paul. May he rest in peace. So the cool thing about Paul is uh, Mark said something like, listen, you've lost 80 pounds. Uh, go out there without a, your shirt on, you know, like show off what you've done. And I don't know, Paul, 
Paul was close to uh, Coleman and I. Um, so he did go out. I think that's the only time he fought without a shirt on. But hell, he lost 80 pounds. He should have been proud of himself. Um, the fun, the weird thing is, when I was fighting him, I was using his mouthpiece. Um, <laughs> now, the, the weird thing is this. And let me just go a couple minutes on this. But so I fought my first fight. I had a mouthpiece. I put it down. Somebody stole it. Um, I'm getting ready to fight Paul in the semifinals. And he's like getting amped up to fight me. I'm like, Paul, listen, I, I hate to bother you, but do you have a mouthpiece I can borrow? He's like, Jesus Christ, another nutter. Here you go. And he handed me a mouthpiece. So, so we guys work like warming up in the same area? Yes. We're it's in a, it's the, a that's court. a really small bar. That's a really small bar. bar that I was talking about. Yeah. Wow. It, it was a it was a sports bar. Um <clears throat> so he give, he gives it to me. I end up beating him, and by the grace of God, I lose the mouthpiece he let me borrow. So wow. after I beat him in the semifinals, he's getting stitches, and I'm like, Paul, hey, good fight. You're really going to hate me, but can I borrow your mouthpiece again? What's, what's going on with you, Nick? What's happening, dude? Is this Coleman? Who's doing this? Coleman's hiding him from him. Nobody did. Somebody did. And he's like, Jesus Christ. Do you think it was somebody trying to undermine the event? I think so. But the one he gave me that he had, had like, um, it looks like drool on it. (laughs) There was drool. It looks like he chewed on it for like days. There was gum in it. Um, But I put it in to show the the referee that I I do indeed have a mouthpiece. And I showed it to him and... uh, Got knocked out nine seconds later, but um, anyways, Paul's a good guy. He let me have two mouthpieces. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, you know, we got his last interview actually, and then we did a real deep dive with him, and uh, it's something that all of us are proud of. What was that? We did a we did Paul's last interview before he passed. Oh, I'd like to see that, please. Yeah, yeah, we did a deep dive too. Like we really went like super Star Warsy nerdy with them. Um, yeah, we're all. I mean, it's, it's, it was a really, really solid interview. All right, so Bochanchin. So, do you think he knew? Did you think he timed your setup? Do you think he understood what you were going to do? Like, essentially, what happened to uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, what Jorge Masvidal did to Ben Askren yeah. is what took place to Nick Nutter. Yes. Well, played. yeah, it was like a seven second flying knee. Yeah, well, played. Oh, um, I thought, uh, well, if, if you looked at the first fight in Israel versus this one, um, Igor came in heavy to this one. He was a little chubby, and I was a lot leaner than our first fight. I thought it was going to be easy. I honestly fainted a jab, and he did put his hands up. So to me, as a wrestler, I'm thinking, if you put your hands up, you're not going to hit me with the knee. Um, I'm going to jab. I'm going to, you know, I was looking for a reaction, and he didn't throw a knee. So I jabbed once. He, he showed me what he did. He blocked it. So I jabbed again, and thinking he would do the same thing, I shot. And uh, hell, I woke up a minute or two later. 
it worked out so well. Yeah, I mean, did you say, did I win? Yeah. <laughs> oh. What happened? I didn't know what to one, right? <laughs> I woke up with uh, uh, something in my nose, and then the uh, people were speaking in Portuguese. Um, I don't know what they're saying, but they're like... Quoting your wife. That's yeah. what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're a pussy, Nick. Yeah, right. She was right. right. She was right. Amy, go to bed. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> but uh, no, then they said, say the months backwards. And I ask you, Mike, can you say the months backwards? And I, I mean, I barely graduated high school. I went to an all-boys school. I, I would say, you bet the under. Okay. Well, I'm thinking, Jesus. Okay. I don't know. December, November. Like, I got to November. I'm like, fuck, I don't know it. And I'm thinking, I must be fucked up. Like, so I got really scared when they woke me up. But um, it is what it is. Uh, I'm still here today. But I, that's a weird question to ask. Can you say the months backwards? Man, it's funny, too, because in a way, too, Igor did the most respectful thing he could do to you. You know what I mean? It's like he didn't want 24 more minutes of you either. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you have that feeling? <laughs> no, I'm grateful that he just <laughs> ended it quickly because uh, I didn't get hurt that bad, and we had fun the next three or four days. <laughs> okay, so let's – let's. can I ask you – okay, we're, we're – I mean, obviously, we may or may not be done with this fight career. So you spent a lot of time with Mark Holm, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so I – Wes told me, hey, go pick up Mark, go drive him around with you. I was doing some sales in Ohio, and we were in Fremont, Ohio. And he made me go to like this. And that's like, it's like a ground where they have like carnivals every year and stuff like that. And he told me about a fist fight he got into there. Look at that smile. What do you know about Mike Overmeyer? Uh, that's funny that you know Overmeyer. How do you not know Overmeyer? It's the greatest story I have ever heard in my entire life. Like at one point, let me set this up properly. At one point, anyone that could beat Mark Coleman up in his prime, he knew their name and where they were from. Like, and I'm talking the entire world, like the entire <laughs> world. If you could beat a guy up, he knew exactly who you were. And if he didn't know your name, you couldn't beat him up like that. That's how crazy it was. He's haunted by a fight that took place at a fairgrounds at the age of 22. Please tell us about Mike Overmeyer and your opinion of this story. Okay. I don't know if Mark told me this in confidence, but uh, I'm going to tell you what I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So Mark is probably now uh, an all-American wrestler. Uh at Miami University, Miami, Ohio, or Ohio State. He goes back to his uh, you know, hometown, maybe had a couple beers in him, and he was maybe getting a little rowdy at the uh, beer tent. And the bouncer there was Mike Overmeyer. And he's telling him, like, Mark, you got to settle down. You got to leave. And Mark, maybe, maybe not, um, decided, no, I don't have to. So they maybe faced off and Coleman said that at the tent there was a, a rope that came down with like a, a stake in it and Overmeyer pushed him over there 
and got the best of them for a good thing. Used a foreign object. Yes, used a foreign object. like uh, Pro wrestling tactic. Pro wrestling. But, oh, God, Coleman's going to kill me if he, if he really sees Sims this. has already spilled his guts, dude. Sims tells on all you guys. I'm not even going to lie. Okay. Sims tells on everybody. So because, Overmeyer got because the I love him. He threw him down and uh, got on top and walked him a little bit. Um, Coleman says that in his defense is because he was a little maybe uh, tipsy and that rope shouldn't have been there. But uh, <laughs> I do not want to fight Mike Overmeyer. I promise you that. Okay. Now, now, do you think Mike Overmeyer put the, the uh, dress piping on the ground for Kevin Randleman before he fought Pedro Izzo and tripped and knocked himself out and had the main event canceled? Was so Overmeyer a part of that as well? Sounds like it sounds like a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so we're gonna go with yes. Yes. Okay. I, I can't. I can't comment on. Overmeyer that. hated. He hated Hammerhouse. He did everything he could to foil their plans. Now the funny thing is, I think they're okay today. Him and Overmeyer. Okay, so, like so you, how much? How much do you think that fight influenced Mark? Like as a fighter, like on the next level, because it happened obviously before he set foot in the UFC. I'm sure it scared him a lot. Um, thinking that the, the uh, you know, the town Carney could uh, whoop your ass. Now I'm going against the best guys in the world. That'd probably be scary. How often did you hear that story? <laughs> I've heard it three times, and. Uh, <laughs> At least three, but and now, now does he always say doesn't bother me though? He says that throughout the entire telling of the story. He does, and he says that yeah. we're friends today. <laughs> Damn it! You got to well, cut all this stuff out. By the way, uh, uh, well, I, I I got a question for you there because you know Mike went the conspiracy theory route to bring up Kevin Randleman's name, make Kevin rest in peace. But I'm sure uh, I'll share one Kevin Randleman story with you. He came to our show in Indiana, and it was Coleman and uh, Randleman. And my partner, Jeff, took him to the airport uh, to leave. And when they were leaving, he looked at Kevin and said, you know, I think this is the first time you visited that you didn't get arrested. And Kevin said, you know, I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So so share with us a Kevin Randleman story. Oh, gosh. Um... Let me think of a good one that I could say online. Um, you could say anything online. That's the beauty. Yeah, of it. I mean, he, <laughs> God rest his soul. I don't. I don't think he'd mind. I think I was a Viking. You know what was cool about Randleman? Honestly, is he was uh, he was good to everybody. So, on one story I remember is in college. On my dorm floor, um, he was two years ahead of me. There was uh, a guy down the down the hall that was a little uh, probably handicapped and mental. But this Randleman went up to him and like went out of his way to make him feel special and gave him like his like Ohio State wrestling shirt and everything. Which hell, he didn't have to do that at all. But. Yeah. Coleman or uh, Randleman was good with taking care of the people that couldn't take care of themselves. 
And, you know, I, I'm not saying that to be cheesy or corny, but no, Randleman took care of uh, the little guys and made them feel special. And That's cool. Made them feel that, uh, yeah. that you know what, I got Kevin Randleman on my back, so nobody's against me. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a true story. He he gave him his shirt off his back, and uh, at the end of the year, they collected the jerseys, and Randleman couldn't uh, give it back, so he had to pay for it. So, <laughs> but, but, and I really wanted that jersey that he gave the uh, handicapped guy. Randleman uh, was just trying to walk weekly. around the shirt off, I think. Yeah. No, that being said, two weeks later, I beat up the handicapped guy and got a shirt. nice okay so so that nick that makes me think okay after that you know that's kind of your 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 last fight what made you say man i mean you were kind of a hot commodity and stop your game one fight away from the ufc if all you needed to do was beat one big name and you were in what made you decide to be like this isn't for me anymore man okay so uh prior to okay so even before I was going to fight um, Igor, there was talks that I was going to fight Maurice Smith in the UFC. Um, and then I got knocked out. So I had a 90-day protocol. I had this um, doctor from Huntington, West Virginia, call me and say, hey, will you coach my son in wrestling? I went down for a, a two-day period. He paid me money. And then he ended up saying, hey, we just come down and train my son. He gave me a, a good number that was nobody could blink at. And I sort of, uh, I got out of the sport because I got fat and lazy, you know, being mm. a personal coach. So mm. that that's the God's honest truth, but I do have regrets about that. Talk, I mean, you, you mentioned that you had a couple of training camps with Mark Kerr. Could you give us a little insight onto him? Were you with him when he was kind of going off the rails or were you with Mark when he was just tight and just really focused? Go ahead. Chris, you were going to say something. Okay. No, no, go ahead. I've seen both sides of Kerr. Um, I knew him before we even met, you know, for fighting. Um, I knew him after, but know that uh the documentary the smashing machine is unfortunately pretty damn true uh that story like whoever did that that documentary was 100 percent legit and you know kerr he is a cerebral thinker he's a smart guy yes and but you you can't outthink addiction and um I don't know, that video really shows it. You know, the way he speaks and his um, demeanor and his awareness of his words, you can't outthink addiction, and he tried to. And I don't know, I, I look forward to, uh, if there really is a, a another movie coming out with The Rock, but if they could really dive into that. Uh, unfortunately, everything in the Smashing Machine to my knowledge, is 100% accurate. Okay, so why do you think Mark Kerr allowed them such unfettered access to his life? 
I mean, he really wasn't making any money doing it. So why was he giving up the goods on video? Okay. Now, I've never thought about this before. And I'm shooting from the hip. But when you're in trouble and you know you're, you're in a bad spot that you want to share with somebody that you're in a bad spot, and maybe him sharing uh, his... He was going to reach out for help, cry for help? Maybe that was the only audience he could get at the time. Maybe. Um, Mike, I've, I've really never thought of that, but why would you do that? Um, I mean, it's forever. It's probably, forever. I know, but he's probably in a position where he's going to lose it forever. So I'll show it to anybody. I'm going to show you all my warts and this is what it is, but this is what it is. That's my guess. I'm just speculating. How, how were his hangers on? The guys that were hanging on him, what, what were they like? Like the guys from Syracuse and stuff? Yeah. I never really met them. Um, I met his uh, his girl, uh, Coleman. I never got to meet the guys from Syracuse. Yeah, he, he surrounded himself with some real just kind of people that enabled him. I would agree. And uh, the only reason why I think anybody would do that is because they're out there, you know, the last grip yeah. of the rope. And I can see that. Man, that's let me do this dramatically because I don't want to go down this way. That's my only guess. Now, let me ask you a little bit more down the, the, the Kerr rabbit hole here. Coleman had been in bar fights. You know, Randleman had been in, you know, fights. You, you're a different kind of wrestler. You, you had not been in fights. Now, I put Kerr more in your category. Is, is that a fair assessment? I would say, yeah. Yeah. Now, because of mindset, like he's, he's like they're technical, like Kevin Jackson, probably not a lot of bar fights either. You know what I mean? You could tell right. the gritty wrestler guys, you know, right. that adapted well to it. And then some guys would start like yourself. Talk about was Kerr versus Coleman. That's our question. Come on. Let's have it. <laughs> At our peak. Okay. So my opinion is this Coleman, Coleman is king. Um, Everybody says that. And do you know who else says it? Is Mark. it Coleman? Mark He's, Coleman I'm says it. I'm in his <laughs> head. You that this <laughs> guy, he says, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guy, in his head. The one I, guy who's a national champion at Ohio State, Mitch Clark, uh, 177 powder. He said, if I can make, and, and I'm sorry, my voice is going in and out. <clears throat> but he said, my goal, if I make Mark Coleman grimace, that's a good win. And this is <laughs> a grimace, like put it in the second gear to stop something. Coleman smashed Randleman every day. He smashed Rex, Col Rex Holman every day. He smashed myself every day. He smashed Mitch Clark every day. What about Wade Shipman? Wade, I know Scott Shipman. Or Scott Shipman. Scott Shipman. Did he smash Scott as well? Oh, God, yes. From West <sighs> Liberty Salem? Yes. For okay. Was Mark uncoachable? Yeah, but there, there. Yes, he's uncoachable, 
because, but here's the thing. How are you going to coach a national champion to do better? <laughs> like if you're even UFC champion, like I'm like, Mark, you should probably learn how to counter an arm bar. You should probably learn the guillotine choke, or you should probably learn the, um, um, Oh God. Yeah. The oh. guard, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, no, I don't need to. I'm just going to smash my way through it. And then he does it. So who am I to tell you that you need to learn? Yeah. Learn? yeah. You're okay, winning but, wrong. But how about in the wrestling wrong. rooms? How about in the wrestling rooms? Was he uncoachable like in college as well? I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, there's a big age gap between the two of you. No, here's, here was the frustrating thing is he would come into the weight room or the wrestling room he would grab a hundred dollar bill and like put it up on the wall. He's like, Nutter, you got 60 minutes. You're on the bottom. If you get away, you get that hundred dollar bill. No way. I would go an hour and, and he would, he would fuck with me and like, let me get away and just grab the tip of my shoe. Like, and I'm almost kicking away. And he's like, pull me back. <laughs> No, it's not funny. It's it's embarrassing. Uh, but gosh darn it, Chris. Um, <laughs> I thought I was away a hundred. I thought I had a hundred dollars twenty times in my life. But <laughs> with me and just pull my two toes back and just smash uh, it in. He okay, was, he was unbelievably um, dominant at practice. I promise you that. Wow. Okay, so your former teammate um, Eric Smith. Yep. He fought in one of those Brazilian tournaments as well. Yeah. Give us background on him. So he, he's a fighter that the most nerdy fan doesn't know about. But like, if you look he's at good. his record, it's incredibly fascinating. And he's only fought twice. Yes. Hmm. He had uh, the worst draw ever. So he's from a, a town near um, Dayton, Ohio, in the rougher part called Wayne Huber Heights. It's like... Uh, let's say the rough part of Dayton. Um, he came to Ohio State. He was a two or three time All-American. His very first fight was Jose. Um, Paley Landis. Jones. <laughs> so, 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 but here's the thing, and Paley, it's not, and, and he beats him. But the thing is, is Paley, this isn't like Paley's first, second, third fight. Paley's seven and one, and he's coming off a loss against uh, Joe Hill. So, Pele is like the super stud, loses to Joe Hill de Oliveira, and then it's this is his like rebound. This is his bounce back fight, and he runs into an O and O Eric Smith, and Eric Smith finished him. Yeah, wow. keep in mind, keep in mind, Pele was basically an instructor or an older generation for Vanderlei Silva, and he also yeah. owns a win over Chuck Liddell. Yes, yeah. so, so <laughs> Eric Smith finishes him. And, and, and uh, you know, Nick, why don't you tell everybody who his second round draw was in his tournament? Well, then he had uh, Dan Henderson. Um, and I... Uh, he never fights again. No, never fights again. But he... That sucks. <laughs> if you watch the fight, he throws a left hand and rocks Henderson. He rocked um, Henderson with a left hand. Yes, he rocked him with a, uh, a left hook, shot it on double leg, picked him up. And Henderson put a standing guillotine in and choked him out. Eric was too proud to go down, but 
he let him choke him out from a, a standing guillotine. <laughs> Henderson not only got wobbled. Henderson not only got wobbled, but like if like like if he would have beat Dan and then never fought again, he, like it would echo as the greatest of all time that you know no one you know that, that you know no one got got to, got the face for it. But yeah, Eric Smith, why did he quit fighting? That's a good question. Um, I could probably text him. Uh, he would probably have regrets. Um, but to beat Jose Pele, Lady Jones, um, who beat Militech, like, whew, he's a, I don't know, Jose is a, a god. And then, yeah, honestly, rocking Henderson. I don't know why he quit. It was probably a bad, bad move. Just like me quitting was a bad move. I promise. <laughs> um, wow. do, do you think it's mindset with a lot of right? Like, look, you said, like you said, Coleman was a guy who was elite. There were a few guys that are Coleman's peers. Like, for example, Royce Alger also didn't do it a lot. Were you? What did you think of that impression of a couple of the top guys, Kevin Jackson? He's another guy, Olympic gold medalist, that once they got into submissions and stuff like that, it became dangerous, and they also stopped doing it. Did you notice that? What did that feel like? And, and then Coleman just keeps charging on. So I, I think those are two good examples you gave. Um, Royce Alger, awesome wrestler. I, I think Coleman was just so big and strong and – Never really had. Now, obviously, Coleman was humbled by um, Fedor and Noguera with an armbar, but he never really felt an armbar from a guy who uh, is big and strong enough to put him in an armbar. Yeah. And uh, who's the guy that uh, it was a Japanese guy who knocked out Alger, Royce Alger with an armbar? Ensign Inouye. Ensign Inouye. I mean, I mean, as he was falling, he's tapping. Um, I, I just think Coleman never experienced a real high-level jujitsu guy that was as big and strong as him. So he just took for granted that these arm bars and stuff like really work. But until you meet <laughs> Noguera or um, Fedor, you know, somebody like that, yes, Coleman will tell you now that shit works. But if you're uh, 135 pounds trying to do it, Coleman's just going to do a curl and like get that shit out of here. But, you know, it does matter. You know, mm -hmm. that shit works. Um, that that's, my, that's my two cents on it. I could be that's, wrong. No, that's, I that's promise you, that's probably what he was thinking. In the, in the case of Alger, was it, do you really think at that point with, you know, a little bit of wrestling arrogance and ignorance, did he really? Did he go in that fight never seeing an armbar? Yes. Yeah. It was wrestling arrogance, like, uh, because Coleman spoiled him. Uh, you know, if, if you watched Coleman's fights earlier, okay, I take him down, I put him in the ground, I drag him to the cage, I punch him, I headbutt him, and it's over. Fight's over. Fight's you over. collect your check and you go home. Yeah, yes. get your hand raised, get your money, and you leave. Yes, it's wrestling arrogance, but nobody saw the armbar coming. And uh, ask Kevin Jackson, ask um, uh, 
Alan Freed. But Frank Shamrock locked up that armbar. Uh, ask all the wrestlers who got submitted by an armbar. It shit's real. Yeah, Bolander got Jackson too. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, and, Jerry uh, Bolander. That was a fantastic fight. And yeah. the, with, with Frank, it was a submission grappling match. Do, do you remember Alan Freed? Because I think Alan Freed. Yeah, Alan Freed your, with the uh, Sato. Yeah, Ruben Asato. He caught oh. a flying arm bar in six seconds. Yes. Miguel's favorite fighter. Either. Uh, and yeah. Sato in the interview afterwards, like, I heard it go pop, 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 pop. <laughs> yes. Like, Alan Freed is one of the best wrestlers ever. But, yes, ignorance to jujitsu is a horrible thing, obviously. <laughs> it's real, and it hurts. Yeah, it's a quick way just to get your show money. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, I would tap out way before then. Yeah, you're you're from Ohio, right? Yes, sir. Now, do you know Ryan Stout? Ryan Stout. Uh, from where? He was from Ohio. He's a little about 185 pounder that uh, at times dabbled dabbled with Hammer House and and did some submission fighting. Did he wrestle at um, Michigan? I, I don't think, think he wrestled. Yeah, hey. Upper Arlington, near Columbus. I, I'm not. I, I you're gonna catch me not knowing much because he used to come to Indiana to our show. But what I was yeah. trying to get to is is that there were some guys that didn't make the Hammer House that got cut, and yeah. Ryan is one of those guys. I remember Randall and telling me that guy's a pussy. <laughs> Anybody else that didn't make it at Hammer House? You remember any stories from the Hammer House? People getting sweated out. <sighs> It's a good question. Um, not really. Like you guys, you guys painted a picture today that I'd never really saw before, but Coleman throws whoever's willing to have the balls and go into a situation. Um, he'll throw them in that situation. So, well, he, 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 like here, like the word normal. Okay, my normal is much different than Miguel Odorates living in Costa Rica's normal from a kid on the south side of Chicago that's you know 14 years old that's got to survive normal. Everybody's normal is different. Yeah. And then you look at Mark Coleman, what his normal was. And his normal was, yeah, uh, tomorrow you're flying to Israel. You're getting a you know, eight-man <laughs> tournament with Igor Bluchenshin. I'm not going, but you are. And you're like, well, well, huh? You know, like he, he's got a way to convince people to do things that they would normally never do. And I think like Eric Smith maybe fell into that category as well. It, 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 here's another thing I would have to think is correct me if I'm wrong here, but like, I don't think Hammerhouse wasn't like, uh, you know, the team Shamrock where you go and you have these open tryouts. I think it was kind of invitation only, wasn't it? I mean, like, hey, come to the gym. It wasn't like you just, wasn't it kind of like that more just like, Okay. You, you had to be invited. There was like people came and tried out and then you didn't make it. No, you're right, Chris. It was like, if you want to come under my wing and uh, do what we do, like uh, Wes Sims was not a wrestler at Ohio State. He's the only um, non-wrestler to make the Hammer House. But Wes Sims went under Coleman's wing and uh, he got granted that privilege. But you're right. It was it was not like a tryout. Okay. Um, okay. There was a guy. There was a guy, and and I I know this like because it came out of Mark's mouth under the prodding of Sims. Like Mark wouldn't have told me this 
but Sims made them tell me. Essentially, Hammer House used to be brick and mortar. Okay, there used to be an actual Hammer House gym. And whoever the money financer was, I guess he was like some sort of church guy or whatever, and he would teach jujitsu class. But one day, the FBI shows up over at Hammer House Gym, and they start asking Mark specifically what he was doing there, what his job details was, what, and Mark's like, well, he teaches my kid program, and or keeps it, you know, blah, 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 kind of keeps the lights on. And essentially what they told him was, this guy's in a witness protection program, and they looted it was because of some sort of trafficking issues involving minors and they freaked out and they never saw this guy again. And Mark goes, fuck this. We're just going to go work out over at Ohio state. I'm done with this shit. <laughs> now, wow. am I right or am I wrong? What year is this? Oh, fuck dude. I, I'd have to call Sims. I'd have okay. to call Wes. Now, it, this may have been after you. This may have been right after you because you're before Wes. Yeah. You, you and Wes were never in the same room with each other. Now, what I'm going to say about this is, I don't know if you've watched, um, there was this crazy doctor at Ohio State, uh, Dr. Richard Strauss, um, who uh, if you went in for a cauliflower ear and get it drained or you got a broken finger, he's going to check your genitals. Um <laughs> I don't know if that story ties into that. Like, let's get out of here and let's start our own place. But um, I don't, I'm not familiar with your story. I think there were some echoings of that in Mark's head. And he just okay. said, forget this. We're not doing brick and mortar. It's invite only. We're working out at Ohio State or this other gym. And that's it. Okay. That's yeah, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, when Chris and I sit down with Mark, I'm going to wonder, I wonder if how much Richard Strauss played into, you know, his thinking in regards to that. Well, I'd like to uh, be on that conversation. Um, <laughs> uh, he was an odd feller. I promise you that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so I like that, that stuff. I, 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 to be honest with you, like, it's a shame that everybody went through it. Like it's, it's disgusting. And it's like, uh, you know, shame on the people that allowed that. But, you know, and, and I think the people that are involved that actually talk about it, the amount of strength it takes to talk about that publicly, like it should be talked about more. And there should be no shame for the victims no. to speak up about it. No, Mike, But it's not an easy topic. No, it's not. And here's the problem is, um, you know, so many people say you guys are gay and like, you guys are pussies. Why don't you punch them in the face? Um, it's such a weird thing because I don't know. My my mom was a teacher. My dad was a teacher. My mom quit teaching. Um, I didn't have money. And the guy's like, even if I had a cauliflower ears, like, Nick, your groin has um, lymph nodes. I need to check it. And then he'd <laughs> make me feel guilty for questioning him. Uh, so there's a lot more to it than, than Oh that. yeah. I mean, he was using his, his manipulation with his medical degree and stuff like that for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now beyond all that, beyond all that, and I'm not just dis discrediting it. Like it's like, I'm glad it, it came to the, the forefront. Uh, Jim Jordan. How was he as a coach? Jim Jordan um, as a coach was, Tough as 
tough as hell. Nobody ever took him down. Coleman would even wow. tell you that. Go ahead. Wow, no, that's impressive. Wow. Coleman. Yeah. No, Coleman would say the toughest guy you ever wrestled, even above Randleman, myself, and Rex Holman was Jim Jordan. Because Jim wow. Jordan did turn him in like laces. Uh, Jim Jordan is the toughest guy that probably uh, Coleman would admit to wrestling at Ohio State. Really? How, how because like when you see him on the committees, He's like, tough as fuck. dude, you're not like getting him. anything by him. Whether you like him or you don't like him, you better be scared if you're hiding something and this guy's got you under questioning because that guy is no joke. I can only imagine, like, if he took that type of like intent and attitude and meticulousness in regards to wrestling, I, I can't imagine what's what kind of a wrestler he was. He must have been amazing. Well, he beat um, John Smith, who was uh, oh, incredible. Yeah, he beat John Smith in the NCAA finals. Here's my thing about Jim Jordan is he's a goody two-shoot, never heard the guy cuss. But um, if he's really content that he believes Dr. Strauss didn't do anything, he's going to go on the stand eventually here shortly and put his hand on the Bible. Um and I, I'd like to see him say that um, that stuff didn't happen. If he does, then so be it. But man, to me, everybody that a brother knew about it. Um, well, whether they knew about it or not, like you said, you weren't in a position to say anything. And I'm not saying, you know, like it's real easy to look at a situation in the past with today's goggles on. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying. Yeah. And I'm not saying like he's guilty. He's this that. I, in fact, I, we started this thing before you got here. We didn't even want to talk about this stuff. No, and, but, I, and I ask Mike that we don't talk about it. If you could edit out the Jordan stuff, I'm cool with that. I, I'd like to sure. keep in like your thoughts of him as a wrestler. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't mind, um, but I'll take care of that. Yeah. Okay. But here, let's just tie it up. Here, just. So Jim Jordan is, is, is an instructor. Your opinions. Toughest dude. Toughest 135, 145-pound guy at Ohio State ever. Um, the only person that Mark Coleman feared for getting turned on top. Uh, his leg lace is unbelievable. His work ethic is unbelievable. Um, just, a, just a hammer. Um, That's awesome. He's going to go nice. in. Okay, cool. Cool. It's gonna get me in trouble if I say more. <laughs> no, let's just leave it at that. That's 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 enough. <laughs> no, he is tough. I, and you asked Coleman who was the, the guy he feared the most was Jordan, who Coleman had uh, 85 pounds on him. Wow. wow. Hey, Chris, you want to take us out of here? Yeah. Man, that was a, just a lot of good information, a lot of good stuff. And a lot of the uh, people who are MMA fans, especially nowadays. Um, they don't understand the history and where things came from. And so that's what we like to do and uh, make sure everybody understands where this sport came from and, you know, the direction it, uh, it's headed now wasn't always that way. And uh, people like you help make that happen. Uh, thanks a lot, Nick. And thanks for giving us all this insight. I really appreciate it. So, Chris, let me ask you this real quick. Let's hear it, baby. Uh, you still fighting? No, no, I'm, I'm retired finally. <laughs> just, with the, just with this old lady. 
Was uh, Yamas your last fight? Yeah, yeah. All right. God, and you're uh, you're only two months younger than I. Yeah, I'm 46 now. Yeah. Good for you. Um, that was a good tussle, though, huh? Man, you know, I, I wish I wish Bare Knuckle would have been around a little bit earlier. Um, and I retired from the UFC several years before that and was watching a fight uh, of Joe Riggs on on like uh, Facebook, and it was him fighting over in England, Bare Knuckle. I was like, oh, shit, I got to try this at least once. So got a hold of them and did over in England, and then uh, they, they got a hold of me when they legalized it here and had me to do a couple fights. Chris, and, uh, you're a wrestler, though, right? Yeah, but I mean, I turned into, I have a pro boxer as well, man. I mean, I, yeah, I started doing a pro boxer. He's 13 one and one is a pro boxer. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I got a question, though, before I know they wrapped up and stuff, but I'll, I'll, I'd like that. You see, Nick, you said you had some regrets. Talk about that. Like, like what, yeah. uh, what points have you thought, like, shit, I should have been doing this or, you know, because talk, talk about that. Talk about those regrets. When you talk about regrets, uh, in what context? Like that, that you would have thought uh, what would have happened if you continued fighting. Kept fighting. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess you know, looking how things evolved with Igor and uh, him being uh, the finals of the Pride Two Thousand, uh, yeah. knowing that you know, in my opinion, and hopefully you find the video where he taps two times, um, knowing that I was right there. Um, I do have regrets, uh, you know, but I got like a, an opportunity to make money that I thought was a good idea. And I took it and I do have regret doing it. I regret not fighting again. Um, and you got hypnotized by Mark Coleman. That's what happened. Coleman, no, Coleman told me to keep fighting. I'm yeah, like, I don't want to be dumb like you. Um, I'm going to... Uh, no. It sucks. Yes, I have regrets. Uh, you know, but, but you don't have any memory issues. Your body's yeah. not falling apart from fighting, maybe wrestling, but not fighting. So it's just, you, know, you took a different path. Now, you did it. Fantastic life experience. My, my wife would disagree. She thinks I've had too many concussions. Um, I do forget a lot of things, honestly. So do I, though. That's your age, I think. But, but on top of that, but you did watch, you did. I mean, Mark got hip replacement. And, you know, if you yeah. didn't get both done, I know he needs both, right? I mean, he got them done three times. Yeah, he bent him by going to the Ultimate Fighter and training again. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good. All right. Want to try taking us out one more time, Chris? <laughs> no problem. Hey, once again, you know that was great stuff. Really uh, appreciate all you've uh, you've done for the sport. Like I said, we'd like to go back and, and and find out where the sport comes from. And this is it, baby. You know, this is the real deal right here. This is uh, the the sport in its infancy. So if we hadn't done this thing, you hadn't done it before me. Um, hell, we wouldn't be where we're at now. So. Thank you for all you've done, and uh, hopefully people get to learn and understand where the sport really comes from. Thank you. Good. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, bub.